Hello, I'm Peter Goodwin with more from a very busy Paris meeting of the European Society for Medical Oncology. And uh, there's been a big buzz here about particulate air pollution. That is particles less than 2.5 microns in diameter. They are giving one of the big molecular pushes towards prevention of cancer. And prevention is a very big theme here at the meeting. Well, I've been talking with Charles Swanton, uh, of the Francis Crick Institute in London who's very much made a speciality of looking at the causes of cancer. So why is prevention so important? Ultimately, prevention is better than cure, wherever possible. And what we, what we are seeing from our work uh, studying lung cancer in never smokers is elaborating on the known associations of air pollution with lung cancer. We've tried to establish how air pollution causes lung cancer. And through a series of steps involving animal models and human analyses, we found that air pollution results in the release of uh, a cytokine called interleukin-1-beta from epithelial cells in the lung. And that generates and transforms cells with pre-existing mutations that occur just due to aging into tumour cells. Right. I want to ask you some of the details of that. But you have now a receptive climate, as it were, within ESMO yeah. and within Europe generally for cancer prevention. Can you tell me what has changed? Because cancer prevention has always been possible but there wasn't much impetus for it was there? I think what's changed is our increasing understanding of the complexity of cancer and our understanding that advanced metastatic disease is a formidable foe to cure and in some cases we have successes in melanoma and checkpoint inhibitor therapies and what have you and of course checkpoint inhibitor therapies across other disease areas in late stage disease but we're still only resulting in long-term remissions in 15 to 20 percent of our patients if you're diagnosed with stage 4 disease the vast majority of patients will still succumb to the disease. So I think this growing realisation that we've got a huge battle to try to improve survival outcomes in late-stage disease has provided the impetus for early detection and prevention to stop the disease evolving in the first place, obviously. And cancer initiation is very much at the heart of what you're doing. Now, you're, you happen to be working on lung cancer. The same kind of initiation happens in other cancers too. So uh, let us perhaps use your model of lung cancer initiation uh, as giving hope, because you've actually done some studies. First of all, there's some epidemiological data. Tell me about that, please. So uh, the epidemiological data, we looked at UK Biobank resource of 440,000 participants in the UK to look to see whether there was a correlation between rising PM 2.5 pollution levels and incidence of various cancers and we found a correlation across seven cancer types not just lung cancer but mesothelioma, um, head and neck cancer so oral pharyngeal cancers, um, lip cancer, anal cancer, um, some gastrointestinal cancers and interestingly glioblastoma we find an association with um, and we suspect it's driven by similar underlying mechanisms where tissue inflammation as a result of pollution results in this sort of transformation of cells into a, into a cancer stem cell like um, property that enables a cell if it harbors a cancer mutation which many of our normal tissue cell normal cells do in the body to then derive and initiate the cancer and it's not just England uh, data that no. you've got from Taiwan and yes, elsewhere haven't you right. so we've got data from Taiwan and we've got data from South Korea that show similar correlations between rising PM 2.5 levels and increased incidence of EGFR mutant lung cancer a disease that classically occurs in never smokers so does this mean you can now put your finger on an actual molecular initiation process you do sort of understand it right now I, I think that's exactly what it means and that's why we're so excited 
that, that really for the first time I, we, got our, we got our finger on the, the pulse, so to speak, of a, of a new initiating process in cancer biology that begins to explain the interface and interaction between normal tissue clones that harbor cancer mutations as part of a process of aging, a natural process of aging, but won't cause cancer very frequently or very rarely, and will only do so in the context potentially of an environmental stimulus like pollution. But there may be many other environmental carcinogens we don't yet understand that are doing a similar thing across other tissues in the body. And surprisingly, I think you're suggesting now that uh, particulate initiation from the environment might be an even bigger factor in causing lung cancer, for instance, than smoking. No, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think the, the thing to say, the critical thing to say here is that smoking is still the overwhelming risk for lung cancer, 20 to 30-fold relative risk. Here we're talking about risks of between sort of 1.2 to 2.5, possibly 3-fold, depending on the level of pollution. But the point I'd like to make is that five times more people are exposed to high pollution levels um, than there are smokers. And of course, we have no choice about the air we breathe. So there is, a, a, at a population level, a very significant risk, I think. Could you tell me about the mouse model that you've used yeah. and what exactly you've discovered about this process that give you more confidence now? So we use three different mouse models where we stimulate the initiation of a cancer mutation in normal epithelial cells. These mice generally grow tumours, adenomas very often, very slowly over time. What we do with these mice is that we initiate the, the mutation much as we see in normal tissue of humans that you get with ageing. We initiate the mutation and then we expose mice to PM2.5 pollution levels at the similar levels that we might be exposed to, let's say, if you lived in central London. And, and what we then see is over, over a course of a very short time period, about 10 weeks, an increase in the number of tumours, an increase in the tumour grade and number of carcinomas in those three mouse models. Well, now, obviously, I'm going to ask you about actually getting those pollution rates down, which is, is an important yeah. mission. But you've also got the possibility of intervening with a drug, haven't you? Yeah. So the intriguing thing about all of this is there was a drug called canacumumab used in the Cantos trial um, that showed a reduction in lung cancer incidence in a dose-dependent manner from Novartis. Um, and we didn't know how. And I think this begins to explain that possibly what it's doing is intervening in this inflammatory axis in response to air pollution um, and reducing that initiating and promoting step that I mentioned. What can be done now and what do you think could be done in the future? Well, I think there are two things that could be done. First of all, the public mandate to reduce PM2.5 levels and obviously this link between climate health and human health. And secondly, I think we could use tools like this to start to exploit inv other environmental carcinogens and understand their inflammatory axes that might be stimulating the expansion of these nascent clones. How close do you think we are to getting effective cancer prevention then in the future? Well, I think this, this might herald the future of molecular cancer prevention, but I think we're talking two or three decades away before this will be a sort of fully implemented vision for, for, for mankind. I was talking with Dr Charles Swanton, Professor and Senior Group Leader at the Francis Crick Institute in London. From the ESMO Congress in Paris, I'm Peter Goodwin.